The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com. Join the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com. Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. Zordo's Greek Olive Oil. Give the gift of the best authentic Greek olive oil this Christmas, Zordos Greek Olive Oil. Imported directly from the Zordos Family Gardens in Greece, this gourmet olive oil will be the best one-of-a-kind gift for any chef, foodie, friend, or family member in your life. This gift can be enjoyed all year round. Visit www.zordosoliveoil.com. It is Thursday, December 5th, 2019, and you are tuned in to HTM Sports, presented by the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, and Hameen Media, hackerhameen.podbean.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my tag team partner. He's the man, the myth, the legend, the voice, the real RBV. Rick, welcome back to your show. It's me, it's me. It's that R to the B to the V. Rick Vickery back again. Hashtag HTM Sports. This is what a wonderful time of the year, not just because of all the the festive holiday cheer, but the playoffs, the bowls, the NFL playoffs, they're almost here. If you're locked in, you're loaded for football, and this is it right here. This is what it's all about. This is, as a fan, especially the great debates are beginning. Who's going to be placed number one? Who's going to get that four spot? How are they going to line it up in college football? And then who's going to make those runs? Who is the best team in the NFL? We're going to talk about all of it today. Hashtag HDM Sports. We uh, we are going to run through the college football, the week that was, the week that's upcoming, at least for the teams that matter. So, no, we won't be talking about Cincinnati and Memphis this week. Um, but th- there's so much going on inside of the world of sports. Rick, we had to put things off until Thursday this week. I was unavailable yesterday. But Monday, inside the locker room, hackerhameen.podbean.com, we will have the final four College football playoff teams released. We'll know who's playing who. We'll know when they're playing, who, how they're going to play, where they're going to play, all that good shit. We will have a full update to kick off the locker room this Monday. Hackerhameen.podbean.com. And I guess the place to start is with what happened this past week. Huckleberry, I know that you're excited. I know that you're, you're just thrilled to talk about this. I'm thrilled to talk about it, too, because the rivalry is over. There is no more rivalry. Michigan, you have to win a game once in a while if you want to call it a rivalry. As it is, it's your yearly ass-whipping, and Ohio State did it again this year. They crush Michigan, 56-27. to Rick, this was almost a football game for the first half. But there, was some, there were some signs of life over there from the Blue and their fans and everything that they the hopefuls that they had going on for them. Uh, but once again, as we've seen in this modern era, the, Buc- the Buckeyes just simply dominate. They crush everything for the maze and the blue. And that's exactly what we got here again. And as you said, yes, the rivalry, while not completely dead, because we do have, and I'll give a little bit of slight, you know, fortunately, and then all the other ones, well, what about, what about back in the 90s? What about back then? What about the all-time record? Yeah, we'll let you hold on to that. 
because, you know, it, it just makes it even so much more sweeter each and every year when we continue to dominate and just show the separation between these two illustrious programs. There is literally an entire generation of people that have seen Michigan beat Ohio State once in their lifetime. I mean, that's not a rivalry. That That's your yearly ass whooping. Now, Rick, the thing that is out there that everybody is talking about is not your Ohio State Buckeyes. They went in, they did exactly what everybody expected them to do. What everybody is talking about right now is Jim Harbaugh and his future up at Michigan. Last week, you and I, we got a little bit heated about that, but you know, hey, that's what brothers do, right? Um, I would not fire Jim Harbaugh. I think it's absolutely asinine to fire Jim Harbaugh, especially when he took over that program. You know, they were a five-win team, and now they're averaging 10 wins a year. That's pretty freaking good. There's a hell of a lot of teams in the country that would die for 10 wins in a year. But Rick, I think Harbaugh is gone. And it's not because of the University of Michigan. It's because I think he ends up taking that job down in Carolina. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, there's going to be suitors coming for him. And that's going to be Michigan's already come out and made a statement that they are going to stand with him. Uh, you can take that at face value. We've seen this multiple times from you know programs, coaches themselves. Oh, we're committed to one another. Then they let things kind of play out, let things unfold, see what coaching jobs come open in the NFL. Maybe maybe they want to get through their bowl season. They don't want to disrupt anything because we do have a round of recruiting coming up. And Harbaugh is proven to be – he's drawn some promising prospects to the university. They haven't been able to get the job done. So they might want him out there on that trail. Before you go too far, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about. Um, it's just the recruiting job that Harbaugh has done up at Michigan. When he took that program over, they were in miserable shape. Absolutely miserable. And not only do they have to compete with Ohio State for recruits, they also have to compete with Michigan State for recruits. And, you know, the Michigan State Spartans, there for a while, they were putting together a real nice football team up there. I think the fall of Michigan State can be directly linked to Jim Harbaugh and his job at recruiting, just going out and getting the guys from Michigan to once again want to be Wolverines. You can weigh that in as minor wins minor benefits he's bringing to the table for them. Ultimately, you know, how long is the leash before they have to cut it loose when it comes down to the two major factors that, that exemplify that job. And it is beat Ohio state win a championship. And he has proven he is nowhere close to that yet. I mean, for God's sakes, he comes out here, Ryan day, a rookie head coach. I mean, this is the time for the picking. Obviously he inherits a tremendous team. From Coach Meyer coming into this thing, the cabinet, you know, the cabinet was not up there. Uh, he has had a rapport with this team. He coached them last year through the end. He this this was his throne to take. Uh, so this transition isn't as if you know this is an upstart from nowhere, but still a rookie in his own right, taking this team over, taking them on this tremendous run coming into this year. Though this was possibly you know Michigan was on such highs, this was the year that they could get this done. They showed early signs of you know cracks in the wall they botched themselves early and they and it looked like they were able to bounce back they looked like they had figured out they've got the train back on the track but when they ran into the machine those big bad buckeyes they just took care of business again jim harbaugh 47 and 17 at michigan since he replaced brady hoke in 2015 that includes three top 15 finishes and four bowl appearances you know michigan if you want to fire him go for it 
Good luck finding somebody as good as Jim Harbaugh. Um, I, I think the interesting thing here is this Carolina thing. Carolina comes out. They fire Ron Rivera. Um, I think if the Chicago Bears are smart, he's their next head coach. Is it going to come down to Ohio State versus Michigan? Is this going to be Jim Harbaugh versus Urban Meyer to see who becomes the head coach of the Carolina Panthers? Well, I'll tell you a very interesting uh, team, a potential destination as we're throwing out these names here with Urban Meyer. You know, everybody thinking, oh, when he comes back to coaching, you know, what college? Well, who says that's the option here? You know, maybe he wants to go, you know, dip his toe into that professional water, but it's got to be the right situation. Uh, and it's, you know, someone that we're both a huge fan of. Colin Coward threw it out there. The perfect spot for anybody making that move, but he especially was saying Coach Urban Meyer would be the Dallas Cowboys. They have all the pieces, they just don't have the coaching. Yeah, and we we will talk about Jason Garrett and his inevitable firing here in just a little bit. First, we got to talk about the Big Ten Championship game. It's going down Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Of course, your Ohio State Buckeyes are going to take on the Wisconsin Badgers. Ohio State favored by 16 and a half points. Uh, Rick, I know you guys got Wisconsin earlier, but I also know how hard it is to beat the same team twice. How are you feeling going into Saturday? Were you were you more worried going into the Michigan game, or are you more worried about playing us this team in Wisconsin for a second time this year on a neutral field? Uh, to, you know, I feel pretty good about both of these games, but I, you know, I had more concern or reservations going into the Michigan game because I had thought that they had righted the ship, they had the train back on track, they were looking great, they were clicking on all cylinders. But they, as I just did, you know, just moments ago, they ran into the big bad Buckeyes. Let's go back to that Wisconsin game. Buckeyes handled them. It wasn't like it was a close contest where it was if a few things would have went this way, we could have been talking about a much different outcome. We could have been talking about a much different Big Ten championship game. That's not the scenario. That's not what took place. Buckeyes went out there, manhandled them, controlled that game. I'm looking for a repeat here. This team, this is a team on the mission. Pretty much in my eyes, I mean, you've got – you're looking at these top four that should be heading into – right now, your top four to me are the best four in the country. I don't know if they're going to be the four that gets selected just because of circumstance. Uh, but these four that are sitting in the college in the college playoffs picture right now, they are heads and above the best in the country to me. 38-7, to seven, the last time the Buckeyes played the Badgers. What do you think? Is it going to be basically the same story this time around? Uh, I, I think it could be more than that. Ouch. Let's talk about the SEC. Uh, Auburn takes down Alabama 48-45. Thank you, Auburn. The Crimson Tide will not be in the playoff picture unless there's a whole bunch of all kinds of fuckery that goes on over the course of this next week. Um, Georgia versus LSU now. This Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Rick, this line actually surprises me. It's only LSU by seven over the Georgia Bulldogs. I think this thing could be a fight. Well, I think, you know, ever since that, that devastating upset to South Carolina, uh, these dogs have found their bite. And I think, you know, those making the lines, they're respecting that. This is a very good Georgia team. This, I think this is going to be a highly competitive football game. This is going to be, the, in all of football, arguably the game of the week. And there's some good matchups in the NFL. Just filled out my pick challenge. Man, I had to sit and think about a few of them. There's some very challenging matchups there and some in high-profile games. But this right here, through all of football, 
this is the one to keep the eye on. This is the one that's going to have it's gonna be such an impact on who's going to make that final four. And, and what you have here, I mean, Georgia's playing for their livelihood. I mean, they have to win to get in. Uh, even with, I mean, as I stated before, I think they are one of the best four in the country, but you can't forget those two losses when you're looking, you know, putting the resumes together against a handful of one loss teams. If LSU wins, Georgia is out there. There's no way that Georgia remains number four. Um, as far as the committee goes, who do you think that they're really pulling for here? Do you think that they want Georgia to win this game? And so we go in with OSU, Clemson, Georgia, and LSU and get that immediate kind of sense of this is who it is. This is where we're going with. We know these are the four best teams in the country. I don't think anybody is questioning that at this point. Do you think that they actually kind of want Georgia to win this game? I think it makes their, their lives a lot easier. It sure as hell does. It makes their lives a hell of a lot easier. And we're in agreement. I think so many of us, you know, so many out there would be, these are the four best teams. And that's what you ultimately want to get down to is to have your four best playing to, to present the best product, the best entertainment, the bang for the buck to keep those viewers in. We're talking mega dollars here. That's what you want. Uh, but those that are not going to be rooting for Georgia at all, you, you know, you're looking at everybody in Oklahoma, everybody in Utah. Utah, outside of you know the Texas. Jason Fowler, all of those teams. Uh, yeah, I mean they're they're going to be they're LSU strong because that's their only opportunity right now. That or in some crazy way, which is going to God, this would be a nightmare for the committee. Is that you'd have you'd have Clemson lose, and maybe the upset you know championship upset of of a lifetime if Virginia could get Clemson. Now we're talking about a cluster. Yeah, Clemson plays Virginia Saturday at 7.30. Clemson is favored by 28.5 points. Of course, when it comes to one given Saturday, that doesn't necessarily mean a whole lot. Uh, As I'm looking at this thing and how it lays out, Wisconsin is down at number 8. If Wisconsin beats Ohio State, can Wisconsin find their way into this thing? Or are they just completely out of it at this point? Would that be Wisconsin's only loss on the year? Yeah. Or they have two? No, I think they only have the one. I didn't have it keyed, keyed up. Uh, I th- I still think, you know, down there at eight. Oh, no, they're six and game, two. They're six and two. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, so they're done. Uh, with that two loss there, I, I don't even, you know, even if we were comparing them to another two loss team, uh, I just don't think the sex appeal is there. To, to warn a spot. Oh, that's right, because Illinois got them in that just absolutely awful loss. If Ohio, well, I, I think I think though what's what's nice for Wisconsin to cut you off there, Jordan. What's nice for Wisconsin though is just getting to this point with Ohio State going to the playoffs uh, opens up a Rose Bowl bid. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if Wisconsin wins that, Ohio State falls to what? Maybe three. I mean, I, I'm sure that they'll still be in the top four. But they fall to what? Maybe three? I think right now they've get into the top four. And I think you have to look at the other games. You know, if Georgia wins. So now we're sitting there with, you know, one losses in in care and Clemson's your only undefeated team. Yeah. You know, then how do you stack these stack these teams up at that point? You and I have been going back and forth all week on this. Thing. You're really set on dating them tens where I think it's OK to go out and bang a bunch of the seven, eight, nines. You're okay as long as you bang two tens. You don't care about them twos you were drilling back by the dumpster. When I'm just sitting here all year banging my seven, eight, nines, and that's the argument that the committee is going to have to have. 
Yeah. Uh, the other teams that are, are really going to be inside of this thing, Oklahoma, they topple Oklahoma State in Bedlam last week, 34-16. Oklahoma versus Baylor this Saturday. That game goes down at 12 p.m. Eastern time. Oklahoma favored by nine. Uh, Oklahoma number six, Baylor number seven. So if Georgia ends up getting beat by LSU, Whoever comes out of the Big 12 is absolutely going to have an argument. And then we also have Utah versus Oregon on Friday night at 8 o'clock Eastern time. Um, Oregon, of course, was in this thing until they suffered that loss to Arizona State here just a couple of weeks ago. Utah favored by 6. So as I'm looking at this, Rick, I don't think Utah can get into it unless two teams inside of that top four lose. Whoever wins, Oklahoma or Baylor, that's going to be a much better win than what Utah is going to have against Oregon. I think the Big 12 jumps the pack. Well, we've seen this in the past where the committee will, you know, we're supposed to be living in the moment. What is 2019? What has this been about? What have you done for me now? Uh, But we've seen this in the past where the committee will look to the representation from a conference from playoffs past or, you know, in the different variations of these championship series and all that Oklahoma's had those opportunities before uh, mm-hmm. they know the numbers that they're, they're going to provide they know that travel and that they've kind of fell flat the committee might throw you know there might be that suggestion out there it's been a while since we've had a true West representative do we want to try that market again we can you know we can look at let's let's start measuring up these resumes and see if they're balanced enough where we can give Utah the edge for that representation. Well, as we have talked about before, this college football playoff, as much as people want to make it about the four best teams, that's not the case. At the end of the day, this thing is a TV show and they want ratings. Um, Oklahoma, obviously a very historical program. Baylor has been a very, very sexy program. They put up a whole lot of points, even though they don't play a whole lot of defense. The Big 12 has never won a game inside of the college football playoff. The Pac-12 has won one game inside of the college football playoff. That was Oregon a couple of years back. I just, I don't see any way Utah makes their way into this thing unless they just blow Oregon out of the water. And I don't think that's going to happen. Well, you look at a, a very easy indicator when we're measuring these quality of wins, quality of losses, quality of opponent, is going to that strength of schedule. Uh, I mean, that's a great indicator when you're just starting to scratch the surface on these resumes. And you can go look at the, your offensive power, your defense, whatever you want to sell on this thing. Uh, Oklahoma in at 19 in the country. Uh, I have to go all the way down to 29 for Utah. Yeah. Well, and it's just that's just the conference. I mean, it, the Big 12 is a much better all-around conference Absolute, than the Packers. Absolutely. I mean, and you only can beat who's put in front of you. Well, we had this conversation, that. and we'll have it again about uh, the college basketball here coming up. But the bottom half of the Big Ten is really good. Like, you come out of the Big Ten, you're obviously a good football team. The SEC, they're very, very top heavy. The bottom half of the conference is just absolutely miserable. The pack is a whole lot closer to the SEC than they are to the Big Ten. Well, I'll tell you what's really interesting. We're talking about the tops and the bottoms and how that factors into your strength of schedule. One through 12 in strength of schedule comprised of all Big Ten and SEC schools. 
have yeah. to get to number 13 before you find a team outside of those two conferences. Yeah. So Sorry about your damn luck. Sorry about your damn luck, Big 12. Sorry about your damn luck, Pac-12. You know, it's just SEC and the Big 10. They just dominate this game, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse before it gets better as soon as they start paying these players. Well, you know, that's one. Before we like, we kind of jumped off the college here. One thing I want to throw at you that's, you know, people are really, you know, ding dong, the witch is dead. Is this the end of Bama? And one thing I wanted to, of course, I'll pose out there to you, Jargo, and anybody who wants to jump in on this thing. When we, when we talk about the sex appeal for location and the, uh, the players getting paid and eventually this corporate greed, all, you know, Nike, uh, AE, whoever's jumping on board, all those big dollar players. Is a, is a place like Alabama really a destination? Do they care that much about the legacy? Or are they going to push more towards the, these hotter market areas? As long as you have Nick Saban as your head coach, that's a sexy destination. The second Nick Saban leaves Alabama, I don't think Alabama is a destination. Is, is, he, is he absolutely? I mean, I, I think when he when he leaves there, you're going to be hard-pressed to get anyone to fill those shoes uh, in that respect to how this game is going to change. But is he all that really of attractive of a selling point? I mean, he, he's not really over the top. He's not a big pitch man, a talking head for anything. Uh, it's not, you know, he's not very young. He isn't very fit. Not flattering on the eyes in any kind of way. I mean, he, they're going to want people like grumpy. that. Right. Uh, I mean, there, there's a reason that they're not beating down the doors for the hoodie to, you know, run sponsorships and be a spokesperson for the NFL. Buy this product. You'll love it. You know, that, that'd pretty much be a Nick Saban or a Bill Belichick. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to put you on the spot, Huckleberry. We're going to talk about it Monday in the locker room. Who are your four? Who do you think is in? I really am holding. I'm holding here. I, th- I think Georgia. I think they have it in them. I think what we've got here is are the four that are going to be in. You're just a tiger um, hater. And that's going to be it. The biggest question for, I guess, for my thing is then how do you shake it up? Yeah. And, and how do you lay this thing out? You know, is that enough? If, you know, at Georgia at four can beat the two, obviously they, they, they've got to move from there. I think you got to go. They should go ahead of LSU. In, in that instance, I think it would be Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, LSU. If Georgia wins that game. Well, I mean, is there absolute, I mean, is there a fear of having, the semifinal feature to SEC schools again for the third time. Yeah, that's that's a valid point. You know, in the seating. And I mean, and then obviously, though, I mean, you're going to have it in your head. I mean, these four are here. And I think really you're even, which is crazy to say, defending champs, the dark horse would be Clemson out of these four. Everybody writing off Clemson, you're freaking insane. And, and it's not, I don't, I wouldn't say write them off. I mean, it's a dark horse. They, I mean, they're just not, they haven't been in that forefront. They've just been taking care of their own business. I actually heard somebody make the case the other day that whoever wins the Big 12 should go in over Clemson. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, absolutely not. And uh, actually, they actually went with that a couple of years ago. They listened to that argument, and Oklahoma went and embarrassed themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my final four is going to – you're going to hate me for this. It's going to be number one, LSU. Number two, Ohio State. Number three, Clemson. And number four, I'm going with Baylor. Because I think Baylor is going to whip Oklahoma's ass all over that field on 
what is that, Friday night? That's the Friday night game. I think Baylor's going to smoke Oklahoma. I'm not even sure that I like Utah to beat Oregon. Yeah, you, Oregon's going to – they're coming out with the chip on their shoulder. Oh, hell you know, yes. They, 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 they want to just upset – you know, that they, they're believing that was their position, and so they had everything stolen from them. Yep. Uh, absolutely. So absolutely, they're going to come and fire it up. It doesn't anger me at all. I can absolutely see the argument being made. I could justify it myself if LSU goes in there and beats Georgia. It's that a they better could, win. They, they, they could leap. They could leap. Ohio State to take that one seed. Again, though, I think it's about the performance in the game itself. If if Ohio State can go out here and dominate once again, which they have done all season, just dominate, I believe they can hold their number one spot. And can we stop on the expansion of the playoff talk? Four is perfect. If, if we were sitting here right now and they extended this thing to six, the only thing that we would be talking about is, if, is it going to be Oklahoma or Baylor? That's it. And, and, here's, and I've seen this from anywhere from six to eight, all the way up to 16. Give me a freaking break on this thing. Put it to rest. I get you. You want to have conversation. You want to have debate. But it stopped being fun eight years ago. Yeah. The, the, there, isn't a, there isn't a problem to be fixed. You want intense playoff action? Guess what? College football playoffs started three months ago. Yeah. That's why every damn game matters. That's why we're going into these conference championship games and everything's on the line. You go beyond that six, you go all up to 16, whatever. None of this matters. We're not talking about college football until last week. Yep. Because you're writing it off. These playoffs started three months ago. Oh, they these playoffs. Next year's playoffs will start in February when they're signing individuals and they're gearing up. That's what makes college football so great. And these people, oh, it should be decided on the field. And then out, even outside of that, I, I hate this logic. We're working the bowl games. Now, that, yeah, that's great. Now sit down there and really work out the, the math behind that. Check out the financials. You're expecting these people to travel to all these different games and everything that's in line here. And we always forget these are still student athletes. They have exams. They have breaks. They have other things going on in that they're supposed to be taken care of. They're not professional athletes. This is not their life. Just because you're a freaking loser that can't get over yourself, drop it. This is a perfect system. Yeah, they're not professional athletes, at least for a couple more years. Let's go ahead and let's talk about the Big Ten ACC Challenge, Huckleberry. This went down this past week inside of the world of college basketball. This is one of my favorite things that happens every year now. The Big Ten wins this thing 8-6. to six. Rick, I know I'm an ACC guy. You're an ACC guy, even though we both live in Big Ten country. I was surprised that the Big Ten won this thing. Well, I think it goes back to what you were saying. I mean, look, talk to bot, top to bottom. Obviously, when you talk about premier college basketball, everybody looks to the ACC. But the depth, is it really there? Where the Big Ten, they're kind of distributed. Yeah, let's talk about a couple of these games. Louisville defeats number four, Michigan, number one, Louisville, uh, 58 to 43. Rick, if these are two of the top four teams in the country, it's going to be a very long basketball season because this game was ugly. Well, I think this again, it's a it's relatively early in the season, as it's just pointing out. You know, they are student athletes; they have other things going on right now. They're between breaks, getting ready for exams, so they could have been preoccupied. It's not like they're in in full gear, ready to go. 
you know, one of the things that we were just pointing out with college football is everything matters there. It's so important earlier in that season. You know, college basketball, Nothing these matters are fun. till March. Nothing matters too much, but this is fun to set up a conference versus conference. It, it, and you can keep those little side scores. Hey, you know, like notes of Survivor Series. This is actually fun. This works. This, 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 this is some bragging rights, you know. But you, you talked about the strength of schedule inside of college football. I was looking at the rankings this week for college basketball, and between the Big Ten and the ACC, they had eight of the top 11 schools in the country. You, know? uh, you, know, you talk about the dominance. Yeah, it's just absolutely obscene. Michigan couldn't hit water if they fell out of a boat the other night. It was just, and Louisville wasn't a whole lot better. I think between the two, at one point, they were like three for 24 from three point range. Just absolutely ugly, ugly game. Game I wish I would have watched was your Ohio State Buckeyes, number six in the country, beating those dirty, rotten, stinky, Pieces of absolute trash, the North Carolina Tar Heels at number seven, 74 to 49. What is going on, man? The Buckeyes got a basketball team now, too? Hey, how about that, man? The, the only school with a, with a football and men's basketball programs, both in the top 10. Yeah, that, and it came out of nowhere. Like I, When I was going through this, I was like, holy shit, Ohio State is six? That's crazy to me. They've slowly been creeping their way back in into competition over the last couple of years. And they've been showing signs of it. Uh, they would fall flat. It looks like they, they've got they found the formula now. Look out when the Hawkeyes come to town, because for one reason or another, Iowa just owns Ohio State in Columbus. It's just absolutely baffling to me. Number 10, Duke takes out number 11, Michigan State, 87 to 75. I watched every second of this goddamn thing. Uh, Rick, this wasn't even close. Like even 87-75 is a much closer score than what this game was. Duke just absolutely took it to the Spartans. Well, you know, what's funny just was well, you know not last week two weeks ago we're getting hyped up for this game and we're talking about a potential one verse three yeah now it's 10 uh, and, 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 and what a you know what a windy you know crazy road that we take here that we travel uh yeah it's 10 verse 11 i think you know this is a testament to the coaching of coach k and the excellence and the brilliance uh comes out and takes his team to task yeah at michigan state but you don't even belong to be a top 25 team. That's the caliber that you're playing at right now. And they responded in a big way against Michigan. And as you said, uh, the score isn't a, isn't a great reflection of how lopsided this game was. I mean, there was a lot of back-end points just given to Michigan State, but it was a dominating performance by the Blue Devils. Yeah. Uh, I think the two games that really sealed this thing for the Big Ten – Purdue upsets number five, Virginia, 69 to 40. I mean, they didn't just beat them. They wiped the floor with them. Is Purdue a team that we need to be worried about? Absolutely. Hey, you take care of a number five like this coming out of nowhere. Keep your eye on them, right? Holy cow. And then we had Indiana beating number 17, Florida State, which I think is a little bit overvalued. But Indiana gets them 80 to 64. Those two games sealed this thing for the Big Ten. A uh, big win for the Hoosiers. They're one of those programs as we were growing up. You remember the greatness. And we saw the fall, you know, the fall from the top. And, and I've always just, and I've, I've liked the direction of the program, and I've always just wondered, you know, when are they going to get back on track? You know, when are they going to be amongst the elite again? 
they're Alabama, right? They're Alabama football when Nick Saban leaves. Like, who in the hell wants to go to Indiana in the middle of the freaking winter? Right? Like, is that really a destination school at this point? Well, they had actually, you know, they, they went and got some coaches that I thought were going to turn some things around. But then who was it they brought in? Samson? Yeah. That got them in all that trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So then they just fall in more trouble. And then they went and got, was it Cream? Came from Marquette. I thought he was a tremendous, yeah, you know, tremendous pickup form. It's just like they've never been able to really get back there. It's like they've never recovered from Bobby Knight, you know, which not that that's an easy coach losing to, to recover from. You know, Rick, there's one thing that all these sports that we talk about have in common. You know what it is? The reason that guys love sports is because of balls. Big balls, small balls, oblong balls. And as much as we love watching others play with balls, let's be honest, we like to play with our own balls too. Especially if somebody else is playing with our balls, we really like that. Untrib pubes are a thing of the past, and it's time to get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. This revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary, easy for me to say, advanced skin-safe technology so the trimmer won't snag your nuts. It's also waterproof, so you can use the thing in the shower. And let's face it, if you're not shaving your balls in the shower, there's probably something wrong with you. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and it smells nice. So don't use the same trimmer that you're using on your face and that you're using on your balls. That's just absolutely gross. The Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0 also includes the Crop Preserver. That's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. I mean, you put deodorant on your armpits, why don't you put it on your nuts? Keep your balls from stinking. In fact, make them smell appealing to that special lady in your life. Or a guy, if that's what you're into. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. In fact, if you order now, you'll even get a pair of Manscaped boxer briefs that'll keep your junk feeling fresh all day long. Tis the season to Manscaped, so get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, your co-workers, everybody the best gift of all, the Manscaped Perfect 2.0 package. Get 20% off and free shipping if you use our code STEVIE20, shout out to Stevie Richards, at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping. Manscaped.com, use the promo code STEVIE, clean up your nuts, and make Santa proud this year. Huckleberry, you know who needs to clean up their nuts? The NFC least. I'm not even going to call them the East anymore because the Dallas Cowboys have absolutely no balls and the Philadelphia Eagles aren't a whole lot better. On Thanksgiving, the Bills defeat the Cowboys 26-15 to in Dallas. And you would have thought, this is it. This is the end for the Dallas Cowboys. But oh no, the Philadelphia Eagles are like, hold on. I got this, and they go out and they lose to the Miami Dolphins, 37-31, to so Philly still remains a game back. All of a sudden, Miami is surging, which is just absolutely stupid all the way around as an organization. Rick, I'm, I'm going to put up a petition on change.org tonight. I don't think anybody from the NFC East should be allowed in the playoffs. All these teams are awful. But, you know, this this... NFC East championship. It's like a big old set of hairy balls. Nobody wants to touch it. These teams are doing all they can do to stay away from this thing. It's like, as soon as we're talking about one week, this is an opportunity for one of these teams to make a move or the Cowboys to close this thing out. They just go out. They both go out there and fumble away opportunity after opportunity that, that we're actually still sitting here 
talking about the Eagles with a very good chance to steal this thing is absolutely crazy to me. There is still a chance that the Washington Redskins could make the playoffs. If the Redskins win out and Dallas loses every game, which seems like a real possibility, and Philly loses every game, which seems like a real possibility, the Redskins could still win this division as awful as they have been all year. Nobody from the East should get in. What I think what's really is I was looking at and I was like, man, this 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 is so crazy, but it is the way it's set up. I agree with the way it is set up unless it takes away the value from each of the divisions. But you're going to have a very subpar, just a little over 500 East champion hosting a game yep. why a 10 plus win Niners are going to be have to go, you know, on the road to get to you know their destination where they want to be the Super Bowl. Of these two teams, which team do you want to see make the playoffs? The Eagles or the Cowboys? Or are you fully behind the Redskins at this point? That was a joke. Yeah, I, I, was, you know, I was just looking here. And what's crazy about this, and it looks like this thing's really going to come down to is December 22nd, is you've got the Eagles and the Cowboys. And I was looking at the, the Eagles' path to, you know, for them to uh, – the miracle of miracles to pull this thing off. Uh, you talk about – Cakewalk. Just an absolute cakewalk of a road here. They've got the Giants coming up this week. Then they got the Redskins, then the Cowboys, then the Giants again. Mm-hmm. They just lost to the fucking Dolphins at home, though. Absolutely. I mean, I just well, that was in that was in Miami, wasn't it? Oh, I thought it was in Philly. No, it was it was in in Miami because immediately following the loss, there was a petition started that they should make the team walk home. That, that actually sounds pretty legit. Wait, did you say Philly has the Giants this week? Uh, yes. Did you see who's starting quarterback for the New Eli, York football Eli. Giants? Yeah. Eli making his return, his grand return. Is there any chance Eli comes out and he's just like, fuck all y'all. I ain't done. I ain't no washed up has-been. Wait, let's, let's look at what we saw here last week in Cincinnati. Uh, and Andy Dalton. Yeah. Comes out, got a little fire, not just on his head, but under you know under his ass, under them under them balls, those nicely shaven balls. He's looking smooth. He's looking good. He's got to realize, and everybody here was like, "Why make this move? What are they doing?" This was the Bengals, especially for that rookie head coach, especially for a rookie head coach. You want to get that win. You do not want that that stamp, that that stain, that scarlet letter on you forever. And he realized. You know, Andy's out here playing for his his future. This is a resume game for him. He's out there on an interview. He's auditioning for potential new homes for next year. He's upping his value on on that trade market. That's what you're going to get from Eli here to show, hey, you know, the, the old dog isn't done. The gun the gun's still firing, and he can get some things done. And that's a recipe for uh, disaster for an opponent. Seven and nine could win the NFC East. Just absolutely absurd. Hey, there, there was a day when we used to mock the uh, Seattle Seahawks for winning the West Yeah, with those same records, 7-9, 8-8. Eight eight. Yeah, those days are long gone. Uh, you brought up the, the Bengals rookie head coach. Let's talk about the Browns rookie head coach. The Steelers started it. 
Well, the Steelers finished it too, Freddie. Uh, Steelers topped the Browns 20-13, to basically ending the Cleveland Browns' playoff hopes. Um, but what's really getting all this story is this stupid T-shirt that Freddie Kitchens wore and actually allowed himself to be photographed in that simply said, the Steelers started it. Um, Rick, our, our boy Colin brought this up the other day. I completely agree with him. This is the get-out-of-jail-free card. This is what's going to cost Freddie Kitchens his job. He gave them an excuse to fire his ass at the end of this season. I, mean, I, I really like the response out of the Pittsburgh locker room. You know, what did you think of this? Well, really no comment about what their coach does. We just know that our coach wouldn't do that. Uh, Steelers once again, you know, taking that mental edge away, just beating Cleveland at their, you know, where Cleveland thinks they're going to get this one up. They're going to get this little pop act. Uh, the more professional, the program that has been there, the franchise that knows what they're doing, one ups them once again. And yes, it, it, this was one of the handful of games this week that were, you know, major could have been major turning points for different franchises, different programs. But those that are a little bit ahead, they put their foot down. They said, this is the way it remains. This is the way it's going to be. And perfect example is Pittsburgh, what they've done here. They are still in control of that sixth spot, that last wild card into the playoffs. And Cleveland is pretty much an afterthought. It's going to be, let's get through the end of the season, pray for a miracle that something would happen. And I don't think it's going to fall in their favor, but get through the end of the season, regroup, Hopefully that you can keep this this band of characters that you've assembled on the field, all this tremendous talent, and and somehow right the ship and go out and get yourself a legit head coach. Well, you bring that up. There are which, rumors. Which is all easier said than done. There are rumors that OBJ is trying to force his way out of Cleveland this offseason already. Can't say that I necessarily blame him. And we also can't say that we didn't see this thing coming. We, we didn't think this was going to work from the very, very beginning. As much as people wanted it to work and, oh, the Cleveland Browns are going to the Super Bowl. She'll work on finishing 8-8 eight and eight first. Well, you know, it's still, if they can get to that 8-8, eight and eight, that is still an improvement. You're still moving forward. But, yeah, people were excited. You know, they had all of these, these pretty new, these shiny toys. Everything looked great under the Christmas tree. The wrappers look great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but when you opened everything up and you realize who delivered them, who was still in charge, uh, you're still dealing with the Cleveland Browns organization. So this, everything that is happening with this with this franchise this season, this falls strictly on management. It's funny because there's two coaches that are getting fired at the end of this season. One of them is going to be Jason Garrett. The other one is going to be Freddie Kitchens. Yeah, there will be a whole lot more, but those two I think just find absolutely fascinating because you look at the Cowboys roster, you look at the Browns roster, and both of those should be sexy coaching jobs, right? But there is going to be a line all the way around Jerry World of people trying to get this damn Cowboys job. I'm not sure that anybody wants the Cleveland Browns job because the ownership is awful. Uh, Absolutely. And you can see this, you know, across the league, you know, in certain places Uh, here in Cincinnati. There's a reason we went with a quarterback coach as our head coach, because there's no one answering the phone. They see a phone call from 513 area code for a football coaching job. And they're putting, you know, they're hitting the the spam block because of the reputation of of the ownership and how a franchise is run. And it's it's absolutely miserable. So. 
who takes that job? Who, who, in your ideal world, anyway, who would be the next head coach of the Cleveland Browns? It's got to be Mike McCarthy, right? I think you do everything that you can. We, but what is, you know, what's the sour taste that you left in his mouth after you know putting your foot down last year and saying we want you, bud? We'll give it to you. We'll give you the keys of the kingdom. Uh, but those keys come attached to Freddie Kitchens as an offensive coordinator. And he stepped away. I mean, how much crow are you going to have to eat to go back there and say, you know what? We were completely wrong. We messed up. And then what what leverage does that give to someone on the other side? You know, that a coach's position. So, you know, what's okay? You know what? I would have came in last year this. Double it. Awful. Let's talk about some teams that don't stink. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. Top the San Francisco 49ers. 2017. This is a potential Super Bowl preview. I could easily see this game being a Super Bowl preview. Um, that combined with the Patriots falling to the Texans 28-22, the first time in history that the Texans have beaten Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. The Ravens claim the number one seed. Patriots fall to the two seed. Texans maintain the three seed. Rick, I felt like as long as the path to the Super Bowl ran through Foxborough, the Patriots had to be the favorite. I sure don't like them going into Baltimore for a title game. Uh, absolutely. This, this team has found some fire. They are hungry. You know, where all the naysayers had put them down, including me, you know, I, I jumped on board with that. I didn't think they had this in them. I thought they would be exposed. I, I expected the fast start. I thought quarter way, at least halfway, th- halfway through, they would be exposed. They have defied all the naysayers. They continue to just rock and roll. But, you know, all these big games that they continue to pull out, that you're waiting for that letdown. And, and I don't know if the embarrassment was a turning point for them to Cleveland, if that was it for them. I, I'm waiting for another one late in this year for somebody to get them. And I really – I like this matchup this week with Buffalo looking to, to make, a big, make a big statement themselves. This is a huge proving ground match for themselves as they gear up for their second round with the Patriots – you know, they, they've got to be hungry there in Buffalo with the potential to steal this division. Yeah, Buffalo's only one game back of the Pats. You know, th- that could be a hell of a game up there in Buffalo this week. Um, the Patriots, I don't know, man. We were talking about this thing last night. And in the entire time that Tom Brady has been there, they have drafted so many wide receivers. They have drafted so many tight ends. They've drafted so many running backs. And they all miss. Like Belichick might be the greatest coach in the history of the NFL. He's a terrible draft scout. Like the New England Patriots and their draft picks, they just don't hit. 28-year-old Tom Brady could overcome that. 28-year-old Tom Brady could turn guys like Julian Edelman into a star. Guys like Aaron Hernandez into a star. Rob Gronkowski into a star. Hell, even Sony Michelle looked pretty good there for a little while. 42-year-old Tom Brady? He can't do that anymore. He needs some help. I'm halfway expecting the Patriots to go get Antonio Brown back. Yeah, you know, that is, they were talking, you know, that, they are trying to, you know, mend some fences, put a Band-Aid on that, play nice if, 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 if you will. If he gets cleared, watch out. They're going to go get him. And I, th- I think, you know, the bigger picture here, it speaks to the differences in these games between college football and the NFL. Because you look, 
as you throw out that incredible set, I couldn't believe it when you told me. It completely blew me away to see how they've been this, especially in the positions of running back, tight end, wide receiver. One all-pro that entire time, and it was Gronk. In those high-profile positions. I can't believe Edelman's never been an all-pro. I mean, it, it blows me away when you told me that stat. But if you're missing that much in the draft, but they, but what they do when they resurrect already talents that have been in the league and they've seen them play in the NF and st- the NFL style and know that they can adapt that. You know, the Patriots have been renowned for stockpiling draft picks, but they use those for trades. And they use that to move cap space and they trade down later into it, which might speak to, you know, they're selecting these players, but they are coming later in drafts mm-hmm. because they are they, they tend to, you know, move down and then they'll go get somebody off of another team where they, and they have that money freed up and then insert them. That has been their system. That's their M.O. Uh, and then you, you know, you talk about this long term success. The Patriots, you know, when he went in there and took this thing over, they were already on the right track wasn't like his days in Cleveland where it was from the ground up because they're just, you know, they were terrible then as well. I mean, maybe that's, you know, he needed that, that little bit of that base to start this formula, this vision that he's always had. And he is a defensive coach. I mean, I think that's one thing that we can't overlook. Bill Belichick is a defensive coach at the end of the day. But as I look at this Patriots offense, there's two things that are really holding them back. Number one is they don't have Gronk, so they can't do anything over the middle. Everything is just basically slants to Edelman and Henry. That's that's all they got right now. They also have nobody that can go deep. They have no over-the-top threat, so those safeties are just cheating. I mean, that, that's right. all it comes down to. And absolutely. I think that's, you know, that's the biggest issue that's facing them. When we talk about bringing Antonio Brown back, you look at some of those they're truly great teams that they had. It was. It wasn't that the the long ball was their knockout punch, but it kept you honest. Yep. And that's what that's what they used to spread that field. That would open up their dump their dump and runs. That would keep you on your toes. And they just don't have that right now. And that's why you know everybody's freaking out. What's wrong with Tom? Is the age catching up with him? It's not that. It's just that the formula. They don't have all the pieces to the formula right now. Yep. Completely agreed. And as far as Houston goes, congratulations. You finally beat the Patriots, even though they had 12 players with the flu. Um, are you buying Houston at this point? You know, again, to me, this is uh, this is Texas. This is Texans football. They'll give you these flashes late this year. People get, uh, get up on them, head into these playoffs each and every time. And then we just have absolute disaster. I mean, just last year. You know, so high going on. You know, uh, actually, they took care of some business last year. It was the Colts going going high into that thing. Excuse me on that one. Uh, but yeah, it seems to be this. You know, they can get one playoff win, and then they get into that second round, and that's where they seem to fall apart. Do the Texans win that division? Because all of a sudden, they only have a one game lead over Tennessee, who beat the Colts thirty one seventeen. Derrick Henry has suddenly become the best running back in all of the NFL. It seems, and. Tannehill is playing out of his freaking mind. Like, was Marcus Mariota holding back the Tennessee Titans this whole time? And you just, you upgrade very minimally to Ryan Tannehill, and suddenly the Titans might be a playoff team? You know, it's a simple change like that. You change the formula, you change the outlook, and you just put a little, you put some nice makeup on your fresh makeup on it, and it, it revives you a little bit, gives you a new life. Looking at the schedule here, Hey, we're going to find out. This is 
this is what's so hot right now is we're talking about this home stretch in the regular season for the NFL. The way they laid these schedules out there, letting the divisions play themselves out. We've still got two meetings. Both meetings are still on the table here between the Titans and and the Texans. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. I, I just, and, out, and outside of that with the Texans, uh, I know they're subpar teams, but they're very tough at times. Uh, they've got Denver, who is can be a threat. Uh, and then they've also got Tampa. You know, this could be a rocky road for them. The bipolar football team, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. If the, if the Texans can win this thing, they will have absolutely earned it. Jameis Winston is the most interesting player in the NFL. I'm not saying he's the best player in the NFL because he's not, but he's the most interesting because every time he drops back to pass, it could be either a miracle or it could be a pick six. You never know what's going to happen with Jameis Winston. He is the Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio of the NFL. Yeah. So you're going to be a massacre or a miracle. Yeah, it, it's crazy watching Tampa Bay play. I, just, I can't figure that team out. Seahawks top the Vikings 37-30, take control of the NFC West and claim the number two seed. Packers maintain their one-game lead on the pack or on the Vikings um, in the NFC North. They're the current three seed. Rick, as I'm watching Seattle, that offensive line is not good, and Russell Wilson doesn't give a shit. Russell Wilson just runs for his life and then heaves that ball down the field. I don't know how Russell Wilson is doing the things that Russell Wilson is doing with that team, but when I look at the NFC, Seahawks are my Super Bowl pick right now. Well, you got to think though. When it, uh, unless they can write, you know, get that line right, it's going to catch up with them. We get in the playoffs; it's a much different. You know, those defenses are buckling down. They're not, you know, it's not as much bend don't break. They're going to start coming at you. They're going to start swinging a little harder. Uh, but obviously, I mean, he is a magician in, in every sense of it when it comes to what he's doing out there. He is keeping this 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 entire team alive and in a in a tremendous position. The good news for the Seahawks is they're currently the number two seed. The bad news for the Seahawks, they're better on the road than they are at home this year. Like, suddenly, going into Seattle doesn't seem quite as scary. Hell, the Bengals damn near beat them up there. You're talking about, you know, good on the road. They've got two of their last four on the road, one at home against the Cardinals. Those favor them. Uh, It's going to be very interesting. That last week matchup is going to be a blockbuster heavyweight main event against the Niners. So last year, I told everybody, don't buy the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears are not that good. They're playing a very weak schedule. And next year, when they're playing a first-place schedule, they're going to fall off. And everybody looked at me like I was completely crazy. And now I look at the record, and they are 6-6, and and basically eliminated from playoff contention. Rick, last week I said that I have my team for this year, that's going to do the same thing next year. And I forgot to tell you who it was. It's the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers are not nearly as good as what their record indicates coming into this season. I had them as a 9-10 win team. They're currently 9-3 and and the number three seed inside of the NFC playoffs. Aaron Rodgers is a 500 quarterback on the road. He's 42-43 and for his entire career. If they got to leave Lambeau, they're in serious trouble, especially if they end up having to go out west. And next year, if the Packers have to play a number one schedule, they're going to be the Chicago Bears of this year. I'll tell you one thing that, that absolutely terrifies me with the Packers. You're looking at this this home stretch, these final four. 
They're not over the top. The opponents aren't overwhelming, but as you pointed out there, not so good on the road. Last two games on the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, second to last is going to be a huge, a huge game against the Vikings who are chomping right behind. They are on the Packers' heels waiting to make this jump, waiting to get a little wiggle room. I mean, that, that could be a huge game right there. Uh, they've got two at home. They've got the, the Redskins and the Bears. Then they go to the Vikings. I'll tell you what's, which is a very dangerous game if it comes down to being very meaningful. They close out the season. Big rivalry game there in the black and blue against, against the Lions. Take them to Detroit. Um, the Minnesota game, that's the one that's scary to me. Minnesota, unbeaten at home this year. They have a perfect 5-0 and record. On the road, they're only 3-4. and um, Minnesota, the, the biggest thing with them is going to be Delvin Cook. If Delvin Cook is healthy, they are going to run all over this Packers defense. We have been talking about this for weeks. When nobody else was talking about it, this Packers defense is not as good as they looked at the very beginning of the season. They weren't giving up anything, and then all of a sudden, teams started putting up four, five, six hundred yards against this defense. Rick, I, I just have this feeling it's going to be one and done for the Packers when it comes playoff time. And I'm a Packers fan. Hey, and you got to like Minnesota, how good they are at home. Three of the last four at home. It's all going to come down to Delvin Cook in that shoulder. I, that dude was crying the other night. He was laying on the field in freaking tears. I thought his season was done. He's saying that he's going to be ready to go this week. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. If, I, if I'm the defense, I'm aiming right for that shoulder. Well, that's obviously the number one question for for the Vikings is is that shoulder for Baylor. Yeah, because without the, the play-action pass, you're just left with Kirk Cousins as your starting quarterback, and I don't think Minnesota feels very good about that. Living with a Minnesota fan, I can tell you she's not. Let's take a look at Week 14 and some of the big games. Number one, going down tonight, Huckleberry, Cowboys at Bears. Dallas favored by three points on the road. Um, that one actually kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, the Cowboys, they haven't beat a team with a winning record yet this year. Bears are 500. Close enough. Yeah, this, this is going to be one of those scary games. If you're the Cowboys, this is or a Cowboys fan, Cowboys Nation, you you really, you're tuning into this game here tonight. This this is a make or break. You've you got to separate. You've got to get a little bit of breathing room here. But again, it, it's a scary situation for them. Yeah. Going on the road, especially. Yeah. And Dak Prescott, Chicago, December. Good luck with that. Ravens at Bills, Baltimore favored by five and a half points. On the road in Buffalo, Huckleberry, I'm with you. I'm going to take the Buffalo Bills in this game. There's just something about that Bills defense. I think they're going to get them. I Baltimore has to fumble at some point here, right? Like, well, that's and that's what it, you know. I, I'm not going at this as really as a knock at the Ravens, uh, or really as too much of a credit of the Bills. I think that I want to give respect on both ends of this. I think they're both tremendous, tremendous teams. Uh, they're they're thriving. They're they're striving. They're headed towards that same goal. I just think it's a perfect storm in the making. The Bills at home trying to make that point that they should be in this conversation. They want to be a player. They want to put the Patriots on alert. You know, they realize they got to go into Foxborough before this thing is done. They want to make it's going to be a statement for them. And what better way to start that than taking off the Ravens? 
And pun intended, the Ravens are flying so high right now. So as you, you fly so high, you know, those wings start to burn a little bit on you and you come down. And this would be the perfect time for the, a team like the Bills to, to go for the picking. I almost think that'd be good for the Ravens too. give them a little bit more edge this late in the season, because like you said, right now, everything's going perfect. If, if there's a loose ball, it just happens to find its way into a Baltimore guy's hand. A ball gets tipped at the line of scrimmage, and it just happens to end up in, in the arms of a Baltimore wide receiver, and he runs it down the field for 60 yards. Oh, the play is broken. It should be a 15-yard sack, and Lamar takes off down the sideline for 30 yards. Like, everything is going their way. Upstate New York, middle of December, seems pretty fitting for me. For and I'll check it. What's funny here, though, is like, you know, cut you just one more point on this thing is we're talking about this game in itself, but there is that third team for both of them, and that is the Patriots. Because uh, as everything is going right for Baltimore in the back of their heads, and I'm sure they have these conversations, as you talked about, Jargo, nobody wants the road to through the AFC to the Super Bowl to go through Foxborough. Yeah. And the Ravens know right now that if they stumble, that is a real possibility. They want to maintain that home field advantage. So even if how great they're feeling, they realize they're still not over this mountain. They might be the favorites. They might have the number one seed right now, but that's still in the in the distant future. They also know that they can beat New England and Baltimore if it comes down to it. 49ers travel to New Orleans. New Orleans favored by two and a half. I thought that was a bit of an interesting line. Rick, I, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. Something just does not look right with Drew Brees. I don't know what in the hell it is, what's going wrong with Drew Brees, but ever since he came back, thank God he came back right before that bye week because if Teddy would have got another win there and then Drew would have came out playing like this, I think we would be having a very different conversation right now. I'm just not buying Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints right now. I'm not so I'm not sour on Brees yet. I think it's a team issue. I think all around they just seem to be missing a beat. You know, something's off inside the ring for them. They're just not feeling their flow with how athletic these Niners are. I'm not surprised, you know, if we see uh, Peyton go to the drawing board and and come out with – we start seeing some multiple packages, start using the athleticism of his team to counter theirs. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. But, hey, this in itself, the Saints have already locked up the division. Uh, they know they're going to the postseason. Hopefully they don't start in a cruise control here because there's so much on the line as we're laying out the seedings. Who's going to host here? The Niners, they've got so much to play for. I mean, they as great as everything has been, now they see themselves looking up at the top of the West. They're fighting and calling with anything that they can hopefully host a playoff game that, you know, if they believe their destiny is a trip to the Super Bowl, it's going to have to be all, you know, they're going to turn into the road warriors at this point. So for them, it actually starts here on the road. They have to prove to everyone, hey, we can take care of business right now. Look out, here comes Kansas City. All of a sudden, Patrick Mahomes is back, uh, and he's looking like he's feeling a whole lot better. He was dealing with some injury issues there at the beginning of the season. Really, Kansas City, they've been beat up all year, and they're just now starting to get healthy. Rick, at one point, this was the marquee game of the season. Everybody's had this game circled for weeks, months at this point. Chiefs at Patriots. Currently, Vegas has the line New England plus three, which they get for playing at Foxborough. On a neutral field, Vegas thinks this is a pick 'em, even though the Chiefs, they haven't necessarily been all that great this year. Only eight and four. What do you think? Going into Foxborough. 
does Mahomes have a chance? Well, as we're laying out this home stretch for all these playoff teams and the importance of each and every week, you got to believe in many ways this is that last big obstacle for the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, this is, as you said, going into the season, even from last year's regular season meeting, you know, we were looking forward to these teams that, you know, hooking up in the future. Is this going to be that new Patriots-Colts rivalry? You know, that we see year in, year out, that we are just absolutely hyped about the marquee of a season. This is it right here, heading into Foxborough, dealing with a, a bit of a wounded, down and wounded Patriots team that seems right for the picking. If you're going to make your statement that you are back, that we should consider as we're talking about as we're talking about the Ravens, when the Patriots, you know, are never out of the conversation, are the Bills going to sneak in there? So seriously put yourself back in that conversation as a top contender. This is a huge statement. For the Kansas City Chiefs, you get by this one, and then we're talking about you're finishing out your three. You've got the Broncos, the Bears, and the Chargers. Three very winnable games there. Because, man, the Chargers, I just don't understand that team at all. And then what I'm considering kind of the marquee game this week, Seahawks at Rams. Um, I The Rams are still the Rams. There is so much talent on that team. I can't believe that the Los Angeles Rams are only 7-5. and I mean, there's a very good possibility that the Rams could win nine games and not even make the playoffs. They're still the Rams. There's a ton of talent on that team. Seattle on the road going into Los Angeles, only a one-point favorite. Rick, if the Seahawks go in there and take care of business against the Rams and they do what they've been doing to teams and just start rolling people – People are going to really start paying attention to Seattle. Absolutely. And this is this is the make or break for the Rams. If they want to have any hope to sniff any of the success that they've seen instead of being in that one-hit wonder, they have to win this football game. Everything on the line. This is, this is the beginning of their run if there is to be one. If they lose here, they are done. Even the success that they had last year, you know, going all the way to the Super Bowl, just coming up short there. This in even I've talked about this with the Niners. This is still this division still runs through Seattle. These are statement games for these teams. These are proving ground matches, and absolutely the stakes have never been higher for for the Rams. Yeah, everybody's saying you know Mike Tomlin lock for coach of the year. Pete Carroll's like, hey, over here, I'm still here too. Pete's done a hell of a job up there in Seattle this year. So let's go ahead, throw it over to our Stone Cold Locks. Hit me with a Steve. Give me a hell yeah. Well, Rick, we, we've talked about it several times throughout this show. I do like the Buffalo Bills this week against the Baltimore Ravens, which just makes me kind of queasy even saying that. The other game makes me absolutely sick. I can't believe I'm going to say this. Go Bears. Yeah, I'm going to take the Chicago Bears to put down the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott tonight. I think Khalil Mack is going to have a huge game. I think Ezekiel Elliott is just going to get absolutely stuffed by that Bears front seven. Dak Prescott in the wind up there in Chicago. I don't trust him. I'm going with the Chicago Bears to beat the Dallas Cowboys tonight. Very, very bold pick. Very bold. Going with the Bears. Getting it out of of the gate. Going with Thursday night football. Mr. Jarko, I'm going to have to agree with you on that first pick. And I, and if, for all the reasons that we laid out, it's not a knock against anybody here. But I, I love the perfect storm in the making. The Buffalo Bills, I think they're going to take care of business here. This is going to be a huge win 
for this franchise, and it's really going to shake things up and, and really – uh, we're going to have an, some interesting conversation going forward as we talk about this AFC playoff picture. Uh, on the other end of this, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to show a little love. We get them off the table here. What better time to use them? A little love towards uh, my brother with that PhD in NXT, Mr. Bella. We're going with the, the Jets, 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 Jets at home against Miami. An interesting, interesting stat: the New York Jets, the only team in history to have given up wins to two teams that were 0-7 or greater. I don't understand that team. I like. I really like Sam Darnold. I really like him as a talent, and I just I don't understand it. Gase is just a fucking train wreck. Maybe you can get him in Cleveland. You know, really going back to you know that last week's game, and, and this has kind of been a, uh, an M.O., the story of the Jets here is they just really can't seem to get on the same page. Uh, so many dropped opportunities, so many just missed chances on defense. Uh, it, it seems like they should be so close, but they're they're so far away. Yeah, very far away. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit the other platform that you're not listening to, whether it be the HTM Podcast Network online, hittingthemarks.com, or Hameen Media online, hackerhameen.podbean.com. Huckleberry and I will be along a little bit later on this weekend, talk all the things going on inside of the world of professional wrestling, getting you all set for the big World Tag League final, getting ready to go down in Japan. Maybe we'll even talk some uh, Monday Night Raw hopefully not some Friday Night Smackdown we've got AEW to talk about NXT to talk about MLW making some moves Huckleberry, it's, it's going to be a fantastic week inside of the world of professional wrestling. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo. RBV, how do the peeps, the freaks, and those crying-ass Michigan fans find you? As always, you can keep up with me, Rick Vickery, across all social media platforms at the Real RBV. And a little bit of shout-out. We've had a lot of fun here with our NFL Pick'em Challenge. If you happen to miss out on that, keep your eyes, your ears open next week for our college football bowl edition of the pick and we're going to have that box for you my god i did so bad I've, I've had three really really bad weeks i should have this thing wrapped up at this point i'm playing like the dallas cowboys at this point just an absolute mess we'll talk to you later on this weekend for the hitting the marks pro wrestling podcast for now we're off like a prom dress see ya